Okay, you ready? Ready for what? Damn it, Dave. The podcast. Remember, this is what oh, we're doing? Oh, oh, oh. That's now? Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. All right, we are in a new space, trying out a new space for our podcast so that we can have it be clear and clean and <laughs> and you can hear us without any background distraction and we are sitting on the floor of our closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, should I turn off the light? Yeah, woo, baby. Yeah. Then... Oh, yeah. When it's over, we get to come out of the closet. Oh, I knew you were waiting to say that, weren't you? Well, you set it up. I got to go for it. (laughs) All right. Okay. So this topic you pulled out of the jar from last week. Last week, And you were a little shocked. Well, I didn't know it was in there. Right. I forgot to tell you, and I've added some others since... This past week also. What did it say? I married an alcoholic? Uh-huh. That, oh, okay. I was just but, thinking about myself as uh-huh, usual. Because yeah. obviously that wasn't... See, you can do all the talking then, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't marry an alcoholic. I don't know what that's like. Correct. <clears throat> but you can talk about your side of that. I, you know why I wrote that. I certainly I can talk about alcoholism and, and my part in our relationship. And, and I think it's really important, you know, get a little serious here, but I I really think that it's important that we talk about this topic and subject because I wrote that in there because I really believe that through all that we've gone through and all the years that we've been together, i Remember at one time when we were kind of going through some stuff, I said, look, I'm very clear. I married an alcoholic. I am not going to be uh, playing victim or, you know, that I didn't know that when I married you. And I think that that's something that hasn't, it's not a bad thing. It's clear. It, It gets the responsibility onto me too. You know, I didn't, I think people say, well, you know, this person drinks too much or they are, you know, they're they're addicted or the behaviors and all that. And I've asked people before, clients, when I've worked with them, I've said, well, did you know that when you married them? Well, yes, but I, you know, I just thought it would change or that it would be different. And I, very clear, I, you know, married an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic, so... It was very hey, familiar. We had that in common. My dad was an alcoholic too. Yep. Yeah. So it was very familiar to me, and I think that happens also with people: is they marry what's what's familiar, and then complain about it later, <laughs> and say, "Well, you know, it's not what I wanted, or it's difficult." And not that it's been a bed of roses and it's been super easy, but I believe it's <clears throat> given us. We've worked really hard around a lot of um, our uh, stuff. One well, of which has been addiction and alcoholism. And it's it's um, it's by no means a small portion of our relationship of the last 37, 40 years. It's, it's alcoholism slash addiction um, has played, <clears throat> of course, a huge role in my life because I'm 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 a self-diagnosed alcoholic a- addict. 
and <clears throat> I'm aware that it's, uh, you know, most of the people in my family suffer from the same thing, and there's a lot of stuff around that, but more specifically, I guess what I want to talk about is, is the role that that has played in our relationship and also um the role that both of us drinking because there was there was uh, a considerable amount of our relationship we were both still drinking and using and and that was that was part of life back then um when i stopped completely and and you uh took on a life of being a normal drinker a normie as we say in my end of the world um it changed things a lot, and I I discovered discovered through um, doing twelve step work. I'll I'll leave out the name of that group because that's uh, breaking um, one of the traditions that we have. Um, <clears throat> by doing the work, which is twelve steps of intensive um, finding a relationship with a higher power, admitting powerlessness over the alcohol and the drugs, seriously looking at my life uh, history and and character things, the, the way I do things, really looking deeply at it, and then cleaning up the wreckage of my past, which is what you hear that term all the time, but it's literally going to people and places and things of my history and cleaning up the damage that I've done so that I can move forward. And for those, for the reason for doing those things and, and for also for the focusing out that comes with that in the later steps, I am, I am immensely grateful that I'm an alcoholic. And people say, what do you mean a grateful alcoholic? And I say, because I've physically worked on things in my life that most people would never have a chance to do. Mm-hmm. For me, it's been huge. The changes that I've come, th- that I have come to know as being part of my regular life, that other people admire in me, are because of the twelve-step work I've done, um, and also some other work that you and I have done together, which is real important stuff. It isn't necess- It doesn't really refer to the um, alcoholism, alcoholism portion of our lives. Um, so I, I guess one of the things I want to say in this, uh, in in us talking about uh, me being an alcoholic and how that affects our relationship is, I want people to understand that I am grateful that I have this disease, because in having it, I have learned and I have learned so much about myself, about other people, about the methods and ways of being. Um, I just I can't I can't praise the work I've done high mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. and the work that we've done together because of it. Right. And it has helped us both. And, you know, it is, um, it is, and I'm grateful for it also because of the work that you've done and that you and I have done. I think I wanted to also talk about how just, um, a few years ago, we've talked about that before about, five or six years ago when there was a struggle and you've been sober 31 years this year, but back then about 25 years. Um, and that you hadn't been going to meetings. You'd been sober. You did go to meetings at the beginning. And then we did some other 
work, spiritual work. We did other kinds of work on our relationship. We did an amazing program that took our relationship from on a scale of one to 10 to a hundred and did a lot of work on ourselves and were doing well, we thought. (laughs) And then you know, something comes up, something needs to shift and needs to change. And I think in that time, what um, I noticed and what um, you said too, was that you were uh, an alcoholic, the behaviors were still there, even though you weren't drinking. There were certain behaviors. And that to me was so interesting. I'd never really thought about that before. That that did affect our relationship. And, you know, you'd think everything's fine, everything's pretty good. Why is it that things aren't working well when, you know, you've had sobriety for so long and we've worked through what we thought we'd worked through? And then, you know, something comes up and we needed to completely reinvent ourselves and look at ourselves in another way and our relationship in another way. At the time, we actually, maybe I'm kind of going off topic, but at the time we we had what was, as we say, Janie, Dave, and our 40-year relationship, or our relationship, whatever it was at that time, needed to die away for us to reinvent and create the new because we had created, we had old habits. And I think that those habits also were having to do with um, behaviors, having to do with um you being an alcoholic and addict. So then you went back and which I thought was so good too, in the fact that you went back and you began to look again at yourself in certain things. And that helped our relationship so much. So it's never too late. You're never, you know, I know I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers and yet things in life, the universe will throw things at you so that you can dig a little deeper and work a little harder or not. Because a lot of people say they throw in the towel and they say, I'm not going to do it. I'm sick and tired of you and I'm sick and tired of this whole thing. And, you know, blame it on the alcoholic or blame it on the alcohol or blame it on something else. Um, but I look at it as this is an opportunity for us to um, learn and grow even more. And so I'm grateful that I married an alcoholic. Why are you laughing? You have this grin on your face. Well, the perspective. Everybody looks at the... the you and I, um, we march to the same drummer most of the time, but we see things differently. Mm. You know, um, you know that period <clears throat> for me... Um, you were talking about uh, six years ago when when we struggled mightily to stay together uh, at a time when when it felt as though the universe was pulling us apart, and um, two two major things there. Um, well, gosh, I don't know where to start this part of the conversation. Um, I believe it's the human condition that we tend to live in a bit of a delusional life that we believe things to be a certain way because we want it to be that way. Mm -hmm. And when, uh, well, that's delusional thinking. 
I was living in a delusional world at that point in our in our relationship and in, in my life. And uh, I had this vision of the way things I thought I believed, fully believed. I believed things were a certain way. And then all of a sudden, to me, um, that that illusion was was blown apart and blown away and um i was losing you that was that was more shock than i was able to handle in that moment and um when i had done the steps before 25 years before that it did save my life at another time and i didn't know what else to turn to so i i went to do my 12 step work again and this time I did it in a different way and um, in a far more thorough way than the first time. Not to knock what I did the first time. It lasted for 25 years as mm-hmm. far as staying sober goes. <clears throat> but I needed to um, get snapped out of out of my delusional thinking. And I needed somebody else to show me that. I needed somebody to, you know, basically tell me my shit stinks, you know. Um I had to learn to be myself uh without without you. And <clears throat> that part was really really hard. Um I I remember the time um when I was sitting out in the backyard we'd working on a big project at the time. And you you asked me if I um what would I do if you weren't yeah, I think we've yeah. already talked about that on a podcast. Yeah, well, I, I guess <laughs> it's one of, again, it was one of those pivotal, one of those for you. pivotal times. Right. And uh, if I've talked about it before, then I'll keep the, that conversation brief. Mm. But the, 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 the thing about what I did in that, in that process there was I had to reinvent who I was. And <clears throat> the person I was working with at the time... Um, <clears throat> When I told him, you know, I, I said I was afraid of losing my wife. And he said, if she's going to leave, she's going to leave. Let her go. Mm-hmm. Learn how to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. <laughs> right. Exactly. So let me ask you, though, since we're talking about alcohol, um, because when people get up against it, you know, they want to go use. And that's at that time I was concerned that that would happen. So tell me, how did you get through that time and not drink again. Mm. Um, there's a couple of short answers to that. Number one is I I have a relationship with with a power of of my understanding, which is actually a power greater than my understanding, the universe in general or spirit, if you want to call it that. Um, <clears throat> when I did the the steps the first time, um, I turned that over to the to that higher power. I turned over the obsession yeah. mm-hmm. for drinking and using to that. And um, I also made an agreement with myself um, that I would always, uh, if faced with feeling like I was going to drink again, equate it with uh, putting poison in me to kill myself. Mm-hmm. Because it would actually be killing myself. It would be just a matter of how I, how it ended. Mm-hmm would vary but the reality is if I started to drink or use again my life would shorten by a lot <clears throat> so the, the the I have a visual that's in my head 
I have talked to other people about this. It works for some, it doesn't work for others. For me, it works to see alcohol and drugs as death poisons. In other words, it goes in me, it's like a can of Drano going down my throat, I'm going to die, period, that's the end of it. So um, that has lodged in my psyche, and I see it that way. That's great. Yeah, I think that's that's good. It's it's just such an interesting life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, my mind is going, you know, it's... I think, again, my end of it, my side of it, um, like I said before, it was comfortable for me. When I met you, you smelled like cigarettes and alcohol, and that was my dad. So to me, that was comforting in a weird kind of a way that's like, all righty then. Even though your personality is not like him, you're nothing like him, um, it just was normal. Was normal to be around drinking and alcohol because that's the way my family was. That's the way that I grew up. And so all of that was normal. What wasn't normal was the behavior and the early morning and drinking. And, you know, I I was like, okay, wow, it's kind of early, isn't it? You know, 10 o'clock to be having beer and no, you know, whatever. And, and I, I think I just, it's not like it was like, okay, I'll just accept it that that's what you do. I remember it was a struggle for me too, because you would drive home from long hours of work and you would drink in the car. And I remember thinking, oh gosh, you know, I hope he's okay. And, um, you know, uh, and then the other part of me says, gosh, I hope he gets pulled over, you know, so that he doesn't hurt himself or anybody and that this, you know, kind of wakes up. And to it. And yet I, I never, I don't, it, it never occurred to me to get mad at you for drinking or upset. I think I just questioned it. It's like, wow, okay, don't you think that's kind of a lot? And you got sober so long ago and the scheme of things, the amount of time that we've been together mm-hmm. that... I've been sober a lot longer than I drank. Yeah, so that we, our relationship has been based on I mean, you've been sober, but I think what's so fascinating and what I wanted to share here in this podcast was that the behaviors and that that is still something that's part of it. And that we think, oh, well, you've, you don't drink anymore. There's none of that. And we all have them. We call, I call it the nerd in this, in some of us, we all have things that are behaviors. I'm not just saying making this about you and that your alcoholic behaviors. I mean, I have behaviors too, that I still have to work on because they're, they're not good for me. They're not good for our relationship. They're old habits. They're old things that, um, you know, I get to look at and be aware of and notice in myself when I'm doing it and stopping myself like I did today when we were at Lowe's. <laughs> we were... It was a good catch. Yeah, I got, I, I, and thank you for acknowledging it. And I stopped it and I apologized in that moment. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I said that. I realize I said that, and it, but it's a, it was a habit. That's it, a tenth step, by the way. Just yeah, she didn't okay. Know. It came out of my mouth like like just this, this habitual. Yeah, I know. You know, the kind of a thing that I do, and that's why awareness and noticing yourself and taking responsibility for your part. In the relationship is so important. That's why I want people to know. I take full responsibility. I married an alcoholic. 
And that's not... But that hasn't been a price for you. It's been a benefit. True. Hmm. See, that's, you know, that's part part of why I talk about being a grateful alcoholic. And that's my part of it. Now, most of what is alcoholism is basic human condition stuff. Mm -hmm. It's feeling inadequate or there's a lot of mental reasons that that we feel inferior or grandiose. Both, you know, goes all over the place. But most of us never really work on it. Right. So when when you have the disease of alcoholism, you're given... Also, the gift of desperation. You need to be desperate to fully work the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. And when you are desperate enough to go all the way in in dealing with your amends, in dealing with yourself, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. looking at yourself and your your worst character defects and working out ways to not show them and and work on your positive sides, there's a lot of work we do on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's good stuff. Not everybody can do that. Correct. You really have to have a gift of desperation. And and that's, I I've often, I work with other people, and I often say to them, you must have a gift of desperation mm-hmm. or this won't work for you mm-hmm. because you have to be willing to go all out. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> Aww. And, that's good. Yeah. And, and, and yet... And people say, well, gosh, I want that. <laughs> and, you know, the gift of de- desperation, though, in having the things that you want or creating, um, you know, again, working with working with clients that I do and they say, gosh, I'm just stuck and I, I, I can't move forward and I can't make this decision and I'm procrastinating. And, well, I was just working with somebody yesterday and it's the big question, well, what do you want? Just what do you want? Hmm. And what it is that that you want is some people don't even know. You know, I I, I want to backtrack just a little bit because I, I may have sounded a little too superlative about you can only do this with the gift of desperation. I, I know I said that in a way. Um, through alcoholism, I have been given the gift of desperation. That does not mean that people can't work on their problems and figure things out in life. That's not true. It's been done for thousands of years. People have done it. And actually, the same steps that are mm-hmm. what are often mm-hmm. what do it, most of them through religious uh, mm-hmm. ways of doing mm-hmm. it. So I, <clears throat> I, 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 for the people listening, it's I don't mean to say that only mm-hmm. an alcoholic has the chance to do this mm-hmm. kind of work. I'm saying that through alcoholism, we get the gift. But if you can look at it not as from a victim standpoint then you're looking at it as a victor okay Mm -hmm. i see that this is because we all have our journey Mm -hmm. each of us has been given something to uh to push through for our lessons to learn and yours just happened to be through alcohol and to that that's what took you down the path of learning and um and i'm grateful to be in the relationship and partnership with you because i got to go on that journey with you Mm -hmm. and we talk about it all the time we talk about uh, the steps, and we talk about our work together because there's similar work that I did that you did that is in alignment with that. So we're always talking we're about both human beings. We're always talking about those things and how do we break through that and noticing ourselves and noticing when we're having a breakdown and um, just working through it instead of falling back into an old habit and falling back into what 
I don't want to say an easy out, but for a lot of people, they'll they'll turn to something like alcohol or food or other addictions to appease and to settle that that uncomfortable and, emotion, and that in, uncomfortableness. In doing that, you end up treating your symptom, but not your disease. Exactly. Because whatever that symptom showing up is, you know, the overeating, mm-hmm. the undereating, the mm-hmm. you know, the anorexia, the overexercising, mm-hmm. the alcoholism, the addictions. All of those things are symptoms of being a human being. Mm-hmm. There's certain characteristics of human beings that we that come up and we get to deal with them or we get to treat them with other things to hide them, to hide from them. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I'm I'm just I'm gloriously happy that that I've had the trials and tribulations that I've had and that we've had together because that's how we grow. (laughs) You don't grow in the happy people. You grow in the the uncomfortable and we don't want to be uncomfortable so often. And relationships bring up, often bring up the uncomfortable because that partner is mirroring you and showing you and you're having to deal with, you get to deal with those parts of you that you may not want to see and you may not want to face. And you know, I remember hearing years ago, find you, we all have baggage. We all bring baggage to the relationship. Find somebody who will help you unpack. I like that line, yeah. And we have helped each other unpack. And I don't think we've done a lot of complaining about it on the way or we've, you know, we've had our uncomfortablenesses in our own dealing with it, but we've been pretty kind to each other in that and uh, understanding of each other's path. We are not, you know, each other's path. Your path is your path. And I remember when we were going through this, I said, I can't, even as a life coach, I can't coach you. And that's not healthy. Find somebody who can. And that's when we really worked on it separately and then together and, and did our work. So I'm grateful for you, my dear man. <laughs> I'm really glad that we chose to do this in the closet. Yeah. I just saw my slipper that's been missing for the longest time. <laughs> it's because <laughs> we're sitting on the floor uh-huh. and you can see it down underneath your clothes. Oh. <laughs> yes. So now honey. I got my slippers back. There's your slipper. <laughs> that's so great. Okay, I got it for Thank you. you. Here it goes. Thank you don't you like much. those. They don't have a heel on the back. Well, I would like them better if they had heels, but uh, they're better than bare feet on tile floors. Well, and especially now that it's 90 degrees outside when you really need your slippers. Oh, that, well, you know, we're going to be moving to colder weather. So, Shh. That's a whole other story. Shh. Don't tell. People are like don't four tell. weeks down the road. Don't, know don't tell. Right. Stop. Oh, my goodness. Okay. It's just between you and I. And the and world. <laughs> the listeners. The world is not listening to our podcast. Remember, oh, yeah. it's you and I and five other people. At this point, <laughs> it's just a, a little few people out there who found us and um, ain't that special. Okay. I'm, hey, other people. I want, I want to... Uh, I want to find out who's who's listening. You know, drop us a line and tell us something. Uh, ask ask for a topic for us to bring up. We will happy to to consider it. <laughs> oh, so I hey, you know what? A little bit of I'm I'm grateful for uh, my life and all that's in it Ooh, today. This is a good one. Okay, Jenny has just drawn from the jar. Wait a minute, I want to ring the jar. I like. Oh that. yeah. Okay. 
right. Now we have pulled out okay, so a slip I'll, from the jar. Uh, our topic for next week will be disarming conversations. Oh, yes. This is awesome. Yeah. Did you know, we make I, this up ourselves? Well, I think we invented the term for ourselves. Uh-huh. I can't imagine that for as long as human beings have been around, they haven't figured out how to do that some other time. But I'll be glad to share with our listeners yeah. what we call a disarming conversation. Yes, I think so. I love this topic. I just had a client, um, I talked with her yesterday morning, and by the next call this morning, she'd already had a disarming conversation with her husband. And it worked. Oh, my gosh. It yeah. was so great. She said that was miraculous. I said, I, well, I, she I've was never, willing to do it. I've never heard of it not working unless you're being phony. If you're being phony, yeah. it shows up and it yeah. won't work. But this is really great. That's okay. another reason to have naked talks, which we got to do that. <gasps> oh, naked talk. So disarming conversation. Okay, that's next week. Next week. And, um, so one last thing I just want to say oh. to everybody out there who's listening and you're, if you're in a relationship of any kind, this also goes into relationships with your family, with your parents, with any sibling, anybody you know that's struggling with alcohol or addiction and you're on this other side of it, love them, love them, love them and know in your heart, because this is what I know in my heart, my truth, is that it's their path to go on. Their path, their their soul's journey is to have this experience that they're having. And yes, it hurts to watch somebody hurt themselves or be hurting. Love them and trust and have faith that things will work out by some law some law, something else that's beyond us that let go of control because you cannot control another human being and you can control your reactions to them and your love. And sometimes we have to separate ourselves from somebody when they're, you know, doing something and it's hurting us so much. So just, there you go. just, that, just that, love that part, them. That part's yeah. real important. Don't yeah. take on the alcoholic's pain. Yes. That's theirs to deal with. It it hurts to see people you care about hurt themselves. <clears throat> it hurts you to watch that happen. But there's rarely anything that you can do about it. Mm-hmm. It's up to that person. Mm-hmm. The The very most you can ever do is make them aware that you've noticed it. Uh, chances are that will be rebuked. And yeah, and and try try not to get angry at them or disappointed. All those things. I remember and all the time, Dave, with us, I just never was angry. And I, you know, I didn't try to control it. And I remember looking back now, I don't, I was young. And so I don't know, but it just, just tr- do your best to remember that because it is hard on the other side of it. And, There's also 12-step groups for yeah. for people who, who have the other an alcoholic in their lives. Um, knowing it and having that, having my dad with that um you know, I know what it feels like to be the child of too. So, so just, um, love each other, take care of each other. And remember that you're, you have a lesson in this too. And that there's a reason that that person is in your life and for whatever it is for you to gain strength or courage, um, or, or a deeper understanding of the human condition, maybe that's exactly why that person's in your life and that you can learn a great deal from it too. So, 
my Jannyism for the day. There you go. All Episode right. number five, all yeah. about alcohol. All right, you guys. A half an hour. And love ya. See ya. Talk to you next week. Bye.